The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello and welcome to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Catherine. And I'm Emma. Welcome to the show and thanks for listening. As ever, we're starting the show with a gripe. Catherine, have you got a gripe you want to share? Yeah, I do. So my gripe is about how when you're at work and you have to focus, you... Oh, that's a gripe in itself. (laughs) Yeah, so what is really annoying is when you're in the office and you come out and all of this, like, really important stuff in the world is happening and you've not been aware of it. So, like, I noticed this particularly today when I found out that there was an unexploded bomb in Borough from World War Terrible, II yeah. that someone, like, the, some builders dug up. And I couldn't believe that this had been happening all day, only, like, a mile or something from my building. And I didn't know because I didn't spend any time on the internet looking at the news when I was meant to be working. Is that a gripe or is that a celebration for, like, your bosses to hear that you're working so hard? Well, I suppose it just depends which side of the fence you're on. It's a shame that you miss out on, like, news events as it happens. If we had a TV on our office with rolling news, I'd be much better informed. True, and maybe there's some developments on the garden bridge that you would know about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's really your gripe of the year, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's my gripe of the year. Well, my gripe is really a middle-aged kind of person's rant, and, like, today it just, like, it really reached a peak. Something that I've had, like, a struggle with for a long time now is really badly written news articles. Mm. It gets my goat... When there's poor grammar, poor spelling, I'm just thinking, who's checking them? There's also, like, a news-related gripe, then. We're both thinking about Mm. the news. And I think it's come from (laughs) this kind of, like, need for 24-hour news. People have, like, completely forgotten about accuracy in the news. So you think it's the rolling, as-it's-happening news updates that I'm missing out on? That's why I'm not griping about it, because I didn't see them. Today there was an article in The Independent. It was just so inaccurate. There was an article about George Zimmerman. Firstly, it got his age wrong by a decade, (laughs) <laughs> and secondly, it managed to refer to Anne Frank as a Holocaust survivor. Now, oh. really, like, stop the press, okay? Because like, I was, like, really, really angry about this for some reason. I just thought that was kind of, like, a basic thing that people would probably know about. That I actually created an independent account purely just so I could comment on this article. Um, as, yeah, I've had no responses to my comment or an amendment to the article, but I'll let you all know. Plus, I enjoy proofreading, and I feel like, you know, I'm missing out on a... On a career there. Yeah, and next week's gripe is going to be that we can't get any decent reviews in the independent. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be worth it if they, if they correct this correction issue. So on tonight's show, um, we're really excited to have a kind of, I suppose you could call it a mini featurette, maybe. Um, so it's a special short episode. A mini-sode. A mini-sode. Great, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, we've got a special mini-sode that podcasters Charlie and Nate made for us. Um, it's... A a short episode of their podcast switched on pop um, so it's a US based podcast and I met Charlie earlier this year I say met we've been having a kind of Skype correspondence about podcasting and what I really liked about um, switched on pop and what has led to this beautiful collaboration is that basically the whole podcast looks at the mechanics of making great music so for a non-musical expert like me, it's a really fantastic insight into what makes a great hook or riff or any other musical term that I actually just don't really understand. But they teach you all about that. And the other thing that really stood out for me is that, just like the Very Least Women, uh, Nate and Charlie are best friends in real life. So they have a really nice informal atmosphere and it just seems like they're having so much fun. So if you want to listen to some cool music and learn a bit about how it's made, it's a really fantastic podcast. So You think we're best friends? <laughs> 
That's so nice to hear. So yeah, we're excited to play um, the featurette and they've kindly put something together for us on Taylor Swift. So Charlie is now going to explain what it's all about. Thanks for having us on the show. Basically, what Switched on Pop is about is we look at the art and science of popular music. Nate will use his musicological PhD powers to explain what's going on musically, and I use my songwriter and fanboy skills to look at why pop music matters. And what we have for you today is a deep dive into one of today's mega hits. Should we kick it off? Welcome to a very special Switched on Pop Singles, where we listen to one song and uncover the hidden genius in pop songwriting. I'm your host, Charlie Harding. And I'm Nate Sloan. And today we're going to be taking a look at Taylor Swift's Blank Space. Still one of the biggest chart smashes right now. It just feels like every time I turn on the radio, it's playing. And I feel, you know, Charlie, in our last episode, episode two, all about Taylor Swift, this song wasn't out yet, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So this is unfinished business for us, I think. Absolutely. And whereas others might focus on Taylor's celebrity, today we're going to focus on her music. What she does so well here is marrying the form and content exquisitely. That every musical shift bolsters her lyrical narrative. Totally. Yeah, Charlie, this song to me is all about controlled chaos. It's about the dizzying psychological state of, of being in love and, and knowing it's going to flame out, but being unable to turn away. This song is a delicate detonation that takes a whole minute and a half to properly explode <laughs> um that's a long that's a century in pop music um taylor is a great songwriter where other writers such as megan trainer might give you the chorus right away yeah because you know i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble taylor has us wait for it one one thing that's brilliant off the bat from this song is the title Blank space is the kind of the guiding principle of the whole. And we start with this very, with an open canvas, right? Right. Like, what are you hearing at the beginning of this song, Charlie? To start off with, we're given really little to respond to. We have these bell-like keyboards, this sort of low xylophone, this other high ethereal cloud-like beautiful thing on top. And then basically a very simple snare and kick drum. But there's not a lot of material here for us to respond to. There's no bass. Even the vocals are are uh, very sparse and simple. It feels like there's 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 an emptiness in the middle of this the musical texture. Right. 
between the drums and these high sort of synthesized marimba sounds that's foreshadowing the the song to come right so she begins with this seed of blank space and it's this musical seed which is going to sprout throughout the entire song in a very beethovian sort of way yeah I totally agree, Charlie, because just like in the Fifth Symphony, Beethoven takes that single melodic motive that's just two notes, boom, 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 that in turn becomes sped up and inverted and transposed, and that single, those, that single phrase, that generates all the melodic and harmonic t- material of that, of, that, of that movement, more or less. Right. Taylor does something similar. <laughs> and it might be funny, but it's true. It is. There is there is intentional songwriting going on here. My favorite thing is in the first verse, and I want to pay attention to these drums. Yeah. Now, we might it's the simplest beat, right? Nothing much going on in these drums, but if you turn it up really loud, you can hear something special. Yeah. What is that? It sounds to me like I don't know how to describe it, like kind of crunchy, kind of distorted, kind of like almost they're being played through a a telephone speaker or something. That glitchiness, that thing you're hearing, that thing which sounds so inauthentic, it's called a noise gate. Okay. All right. This is going to get just a little bit technical, but it's worth it. I promise you. Yeah. Lay it on me. Okay. So a noise gate is this effect that producers use that says, hey, if something's too quiet, don't let it through. You shall not pass. (laughs) Right. So that's what a noise gate is. When something is quiet, they will say, you shall not pass. You can only come through if you're loud. And the thing with the drums is there's points where there's there's loudness, and then as the sound of the drum is reverberating through the room, it's quiet, and you just hear the sort of echo of that drum. Well, what we're doing here with this gate is they are cutting off the drum as soon as it makes that hit. So instead of hearing like a... You're hearing a... Oh, okay. Oh, because the because the decay of the drum is too quiet to make it through the gate. Exactly. It shall not pass. It doesn't uh-huh. make it through the gate. Because these drums, maybe I'm thinking now, are like kind of a metaphor for the relationship that Taylor Swift is depicting here. They're both really big and really brief and get cut off. That is exactly what's going on here. Now, this might seem like a a tiny little nuance, but it's just a great example of the detail that goes into great pop songcraft. Yeah. And at this point, we should probably mention that uh, we're we're ascribing all the credit to Taylor Swift, but it's due in equal parts to Taylor Swift and her producing her production team. Who in this case, like with a lot of her recent hits, is uh, the Swedish producers Max Martin and Shellback. So let's keep moving with this cool. song, right? We've heard that. We've heard the introduction. We've heard the verse. Let's get into the chorus. Now, this is the first time that we get any bass in the song, yeah. and it starts to give us a clue of what's going on. But what's so interesting about this bass is that it's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's um, it's like kind of the opposite of of most bass lines, which are you know bouncy and rhythmic. This is just a big fat slug just kind of sitting there. Right. Again, intentional. R- yeah. It's not supposed to be dancing all over the place. Instead, 
that's what's happening with her words. And the other thing that's happening here is the guitar in the background. There's this yeah. subtle guitar, which I think is the only thing in this entire song which tethers her to her musical past. <laughs> right. To the country star, the kind of the ingenue that she, that she started as. <laughs> and uh, we, of course, can't get through the chorus without acknowledging the Starbucks lovers. Now, you know about this one, Nate, right? Oh yeah, this is uh, the misunder the, the great misunderstood lyric of our generation. And we are way late in discussing the Starbucks lovers. If you want to know more, what you have to do is go to New York Magazine's "Why You Keep Mishearing That Taylor Swift Lyric" by Melissa Dahl. We'll link to it on our website. If you want to know more of why you keep hearing Starbucks lovers, what she's actually saying. Yeah. Long list of ex lovers. Yeah. yeah, we're more interested in what happens right after that line when she when we finally a minute and a half in, like we were saying, reach the end of this first chorus, and she says, "But I got a blank space, baby." And I'll write your name. And Charlie, what happens right after she says, "And I got, but I got a blank space, baby," musically? I got a blank space, baby. Nothing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Silence. It's just such a brilliant gambit that we've had this slow build, gradually adding textures, this uh, phlegmatic bass, and then building with guitar and doubled vocals and and harmonies. And then just as it's cresting, everything drops away to this momentary blank space. A long pause. All right. I've got one more very exciting piece that I want you to listen for. Ooh, okay. So we're going we're gonna to move here now to the chorus, the second time that it comes around. I want you to listen closely here, all right? Okay. All right, so let's, let's play the clip. Come on. Can you give me a hint? <laughs> <laughs> so we had talked about the bass line. Yeah. And the bass line here is doing something different. So throughout this entire song, the chords are doing the same thing, right? It's the same chord progression all the way through this continuum. And throughout that, that very basic bass, which just lands on the downbeat, is staying really low in the, in the register. Right. Here we get something different. She actually brings the bass line up. My question to you is, why do you think she's doing that? She only does it right here, just right here. Yeah, well, it must, it must mirror something that's happening lyrically at that moment, yes, which yes, yes. is the tables turning. <laughs> yes, I can make all the tables turn. I can make all the tables turn. Rose and here she is in some ways bragging about her songwriting prowess she is saying i can make all the tables turn and i'm gonna make this one subtle change just to show you that i'm absolutely in control whoa instead of the bass descending the bass jumps up a big interval of six that's massive right totally unexpected yeah and i and it even has this long gliding effect yeah so that you're supposed to hear it portamento is what we call that in in the in the business, <laughs> what is your business exactly? Um, my business is writing arcane papers about music that no one will ever read. 
And there's one thing, an enduring mystery of this song that I'd like to to leave, to leave on, which is what, Charlie, is that sound right before she says, And I'll write your name. So she says, I got a blank space, baby. And then there's this sound that's like, yeah. So what is that? It's like, because it's not, it's, it sounds like it's supposed to signify something, but I can't tell what. Wow. It could be the close of a door. I, that it could. I always heard it as the, the, the shutter of a camera, maybe capturing this, this fleeting moment between, uh, between lovers. Or could it be as dark as the click of a gun? Whoa! <laughs> oh man, a friend of a, a, a friend of mine thought it was the the stopping a cassette tape, which is which might be uh, seems a little anachronist to me. Well, it isn't. The album is 1989. The CDs were not that big then. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Anyway, something to uh to mull over through through the ages we'll be we'll be discussing that one. I, I found in our research of blank space that the song has been stuck in my head for the last <laughs> three days and I cannot get it out. And so for all of our listeners, if you like what you heard, we have a full episode on Taylor and the genius of her songwriting on our website at www.switchedonpop.com. You can also find Switched on Pop on the iTunes podcast app, on Stitcher Radio, and on SoundCloud. I'm your host, Nate Sloan. And I am your other host, Charlie Harding. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. All right. Beautiful. So after listening to this mini-sode, how do we both feel about T-Swizzle? How do you feel, Catherine? I never, ever would have listened to Taylor Swift normally. And then uh, when I was talking with Charlie about collaborating, and they they made a, another full episode, um, which was looked at kind of all of Taylor Swift's work. And to be honest, it did make me think differently about Taylor Swift because... Um, you know, we're not her target audience. I think there are people our age who listen to her, but most Lily. of her... Yeah. Lily's a big fan, actually. Oh, is she? So all the way in Papua New Guinea, she's going to be... Rocking out <laughs> to blank space. I know that she's like a hit maker. You know, she's obviously talented. Since listening to a lot of the stuff that um, Charlie and Nate have done about her, I think that she is just really talented. And it's definitely given me an appreciation for her. And I do think that she is musically quite interesting because she really puts herself out there. There aren't that many people who would be very honest. Like when she really goes for it with how she feels, like she doesn't she doesn't hold back. Um, no beating around the bush. Yeah, and I you know I kind of like that. So even though it wouldn't have normally been my type of thing, I I really I'm kind of getting I'm getting into her. I've been I've been listening to quite a bit of Taylor Swift recently. I don't think I'm ever going to be a massive Taylor Swift fan. But I do think that she can take the piss out of herself, and that's quite important in, you know, someone that I, I would want to be friends with. We could be friends, as long as we don't have to listen to her songs that much. <laughs> so we've been inspired by all of Taylor Swift's uh, soul-bearing, and we decided, um, kind of almost in honour of Switched On Pop, uh, to basically make our own little mini-sode to finish the show with, where we're going to look at the tracks in particular that have helped us navigate the um, treacherous waters I'm doing too many metaphors but navigate the treacherous waters of our romantic lives with our compasses of music and our 
Sex tits of song. I think it's Sexton. I don't uh, know. Was a sextet or just a group of six people? So yeah, we hope that you enjoy this um, musical and nautical journey. I was going to start off Emma by asking: Is there a particular song you listen to when you're going through a breakup? Yeah, well, I mean, I go through a range. I think that um, so how I've kind of thought of this question is the different stages and what song represents that stage. So I know we're both big fans, and you know, the show is a big fan of. Um, the song Max, Don't Have Sex With Your Ex, <laughs> which I reckon features kind of quite heavily in my breakup pr- playlist. You know, I have to be reminded of that. Um, what genre is that? Eurotrash? Uh, Euro techno dance comedy musical. Um, yeah, so obviously that's a good, it's good, good advice for any time of year. Um, but then also, I guess, when you're feeling a bit, like, sad about it, you know, the initial, the initial stage is, like, sadness... Mm. Um, grieving and kind of thinking like why doesn't this person want me even if you're a dumper the disbelief sometimes yeah it's shocking Um, so like if you're feeling kind of particularly like pathetic loveful it's a Mm. classic and it also kind of reminds me of the great film Romeo and Juliet featuring Claire Danes on the Orange Caprio but I had all you know quite quite a strong um same sex attraction to Claire Danes. I had a massive really? question there. Yeah, always have, always that. will. So I'm also reminded as well as being pathetic of like how I'll never get Claire Danes. <laughs> I mean, never say never, but it seems unlikely. Um, <laughs> But then you go through the anger stage, things like Khalees caught out there. Pink, you make me sick. I don't know, like, what what were you thinking of? I think, like, Khalees and Pink in particular, they're kind of like anger anthems. Or that, angry. that Kelly Clarkson song, Since You've Been Gone. <laughs> That's like, that is one of yeah, my, like, guilty tune. pleasures, actually. It's like an incredible song. I, I hope that Switched On Pop do an episode about that. So I think they're all great choices. Um, Thanks, Catherine. Mine's not so much in stages. It's like maybe um, particular, like, feelings that have come to me um, at different points. So the first one I'm going to start with is um, Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. Excellent choice. kind of interesting about it is that the song is about him saying that you know he's he's kind of desperately in love with someone and you get that sense they don't really they're not so into it um i think it does come to me in times of unrequited love um but do you find it creepy in any way it is a bit creepy and it i i think it kind of reminds me um you know you can interpret it in different ways like you can see it as just a really forlorn love song or you can when you look at the video with her especially, you really think, oh, there's something, like, delusional about him. And that's what he's kind of playing off. It reminds me a little bit of every step that I take. Every breath you take. Yeah, Yeah, where, you know, everyone just... It just became a massive hit and people play at their weddings and stuff and it's about kind of, like, obsession. Um, You know, love obviously can be very akin to madness so i think wicked game like when i'm feeling a bit like that myself and um, that always kind of comes on and it is just a great song like his voice is amazing so did yeah, he ever make good. any other songs yeah he's made loads of other songs obviously i can't remember a name of his other songs <laughs> says it all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah the next one i'm gonna um talk about is um another kind of sad one teardrops womack and womack Whenever 
This is like classic 80s and I love it because it's all about like, you know, being on the dance floor and seeing someone who maybe you don't want to see and trying not to cry. And this had a personal resonance for me because I first heard it when I was doing aerobics um, and I was going through a breakup at the time and it used to like play on the CD player and I didn't know who it was by and the aerobics instructor didn't know either. So every week while I was trying quite hard, I was trying to like pick up on um, like what lyrics they were saying so I could go and Google it when I got home because no one else knew who it was either. Um, and then eventually I found out and since then it's been like, you know, a kind of staple heartbreak diet track and also you showed me a clip of the video earlier and we both were really appreciating the kind of double denim so that's something else to enjoy when you're you know you're wallowing but you're also happy about the fashions yeah just classic 80s um and on that theme i thought it'd be kind of fun because blank space obviously is from taylor swift's amazing album uh 1989 which i think references the year of her birth doesn't Um, that make you feel incredibly old yeah, it does. It does. Um, but we are we are children of the eighties. Um, so Emma, do you know what the first number one of nineteen eighty nine was in the UK? No idea. Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan, especially for you. I love that song. I actually love that. I love anything that reminds me of Neighbours. Did you know that there is um, a kebab seller that's called Jason's Donner Van? <laughs> How does that make you feel? It, I feel like you know somehow it's living on. Exactly. Yeah, it's um, great. It's, it's, it's a great song. It's heartwarming. Because I feel like I've, you know, I've hit all the angry notes from my, my relationship ending sagas. But then I, I haven't really come to the kind of like resolution where you're like, actually, this situation's fine. And I actually chose summer camps better off without you when you're like, everything's mm. okay. It's cool that we're not together anymore. And then I actually even thought of a triumvirate of positive songs. <laughs> if you want to hear them. <laughs> triumvirate. Not, a not holy tr- is it like a holy trinity <laughs> that's better yes <laughs> um where i chose good things by rival schools which is a song that i first heard on a Kerrang compila- compilation back in the early 2000s which also writing this i remember that um i used to subscribe to Kerrang, <laughs> one of the best <laughs> magazines around um also the song good time's gonna come and also there goes the fear by the doves Oh, these are quite positive songs. So I think those are all, like, motivational songs for me. It is something that's romantic um, and maybe, like, ends on a hopeful note. I mean, I've got to say, I love a bit of Wham. Like, you know... You do love Wham. I don't know anyone that loves Wham as much as you do. They're so great. Like, Like, the Wham rap about... Unemployment? Unemployment and going on the dole and Thatcher. Like, it's, you know, it's it's really good. Um... (laughs) But, you know, just listening to things like Club Tropicana, Careless Whisper is probably George Michael's most famous sort of romantic song. What about Last Christmas, though? How does that make you feel? Oh, I just think it's, you know, I just think it's an amazing... Yeah, really heartbreaking, really heartbreaking. But, like, there's just so many good 80s songs. Like, I think a lot of 80s music is designed for the slow dance. Like, people used to go to clubs and they would do a fast dance and then they would do a slow dance. It wouldn't just be, like, clubbing and... And dancing around with your mates it would be 
under the kind of premise of I'm going to ask a nice lady to have a dance. Maybe I'm romanticising it, but I, I do feel like people did slow dancing more. Slow dance did exist at um, our school discos as well. And I'm actually <laughs> just wondering what your slow dancing song was, because I remember at school, maybe in like primary seven, year six to you, um, like the song that was played at school disco that like indicated it was slow dancing was um, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. That was the slow <laughs> dance classic for us. Maybe you had a different um, one, being as you're slightly older. I don't know, at school discos. I only remember a few songs being played at school discos, like Mr Blobby. Like, at kind of 80s club nights, whenever it becomes Couples Fest, or Spandau Ballet True. Ba, 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 ba. (laughs) (laughs) What Um, excellent. I don't need to do that, because you're going to play it anyway. (laughs) But True is like, you know, it's the one where people sort of start holding each other. Yeah, what a song. So you've been listening to Very Loose Women and I guess we want to say big thanks to Charlie and Nate from Switched On Pop for educating us about the uh, musical talent and genius of Taylor Swift. Um, Educating and entertaining. So edutainment, I would call that. And yeah, thanks for making that episode for us because I think um, hopefully the average Resonance FM listener probably doesn't listen to Taylor Swift. That could be a sweeping generalisation. So yeah, big thanks to them and obviously do check out their podcast. If you're interested in some of the social and cultural history of the hit makers that are out producing like these number one singles at the moment, then I would definitely point you in the direction of their their website, which is switchedonpop.com. And you can find them on Twitter at switchedonpop. What I really enjoyed there was, Catherine, when you're used to the phrase um, hit maker, made me think of like a middle-aged person saying like, is it on the hit parade? Which I think is a phrase that is underused. I suppose what I'm thinking of is how now people kind of, you know, we have a real dividing line between what's seen as being good music and is maybe a bit alternative or under the radar. And then like, you know, bad music being um, orchestrated by people like Simon Cowell and, you know, having a series of writers who just write loads of stuff that gets churned out by people. And I suppose that, say you look back in the 60s, you've got people like Bert Backrack, they were doing that all the time. Um, so there's always been a kind of kind of mechanics of how to make a great pop song. It's kind of interesting to take that and go, actually, pop music is great, and why is it that some things just make you feel, like, really happy? Or in the case of heartbreak music, like, what is it that makes you just want to wallow? And, like, that kind of key is kind of interesting to hear about. So that's kind of where the hit maker... I'm thinking of those, like, historic... Chart toppers, also. Yeah, <laughs> the great friends. Yeah. <laughs> now they're not doing the chart anymore um, on the radio. We've kind of got an opening. Very Loose Women's chart. VLW chart. What would we chart? Like, songs we hate. If it's us, it's going to be songs we hate. Worst song <laughs> of the week. Things that make us most angry most of the week. Most sexist song of the week. Yeah. We'd be some big competition. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. For full versions of our shows, check out verylosewomen.wordpress.com. This programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.